They're the joyful agains our children shout on the swings, the exhausting agains of cooking and laundry, and the difficult agains of discipline. So much of what we do as mothers is on repeat. So what if we woke up with clarity, knowing which agains we were called to, and went to bed believing we are faithful in what matters most? We believe God's word is the key to untangle from the confusion and overwhelm we feel. Let's look up together to embrace a motherhood full of freedom and joy. This episode of Again is brought to you by Entrusted Ministries, and I'm your host, Stephanie Hickox. Today, I am joined by our entire cast of amazing women. We've got Betsy Corning, Emily Deal, and Jen Freckman, and we'll be discussing guiding your children amidst outside influences. In a previous episode, we talked about common influences for us as mothers, and today we'll focus about how to guide our children towards pursuing and loving Christ, regardless of their circumstance and situation. We're going to be discussing the tug of two realms from Entrusted with a Child's Heart, Chapter 3. We can either be pulled towards righteousness and Christ-like behavior or towards unrighteousness and worldly influence. We're never just standing still. And as many of our kids are settling into new routines at school, sports, or activities, we think this is a great time to evaluate their outside influences. So thanks for joining us for this latest episode of the Untangled series, where we're untangling biblical motherhood. Let's get to it. Let's start off with a fun question. Aunt Betsy, what was your favorite game to play or way to spend time when you were younger? Well, I have to admit, I love to read books. My sisters and mom, we played a lot of solitaire, which wasn't really solitaire. It was playing with two, three, or four people, or even more sometimes. It was really fast-paced and fun. And we played some Parcheesi and Rook and Monopoly, which we've all played and we just had fun. We had fun making things, being creative with things. My sister and I, my younger sister especially, we would make what we called Barbie houses with pieces of uh, carpet for the floors, for the rooms. And then we would make the furniture and we didn't really even have Barbies or play with the dolls. We just (laughs) made the houses and we would keep them out for a week all over the floor. And another thing we did a lot was we would make cookies and dye the cookie dough and then make very elaborate cookies like bowls of fruit and hats with flowers and all kinds of things. But it was so fun. It was, I guess, our Play-Doh that we ate kind of, right? That's amazing. Still use that recipe. How about you, Jen? How did you like to spend your time? I definitely like to be outside. Anything that was outdoors, playing with neighbor kids, swinging on our backyard tire swing, swimming, riding bikes. I remember we would ride bikes. My dad worked in a factory. And so he would get home at 3.30 every day. And by 4.30, we were done eating dinner and we would go take a bike ride. And it was so fun. So anything that was outside is definitely how I would want to spend my time as a kid. That's great. I'm going to have some similar answers to Aunt Betsy because you and my mom like to do the same things. And so I think she passed those things on to me. I liked Play-Doh a lot, definitely cards and games. That was a big one. Bike rides. My mom and I would take these walks in our neighborhood and we would look at the houses and we would say, okay, if you could only change one thing about each house, what would you do? I love it. 
We just love design and things like that. So those are some fun memories that were really pretty regular. My son Lee said to me one time, you know, you kind of grow up as an inside child or an outside child. <laughs> and I think I yeah. can see the the difference here. Sure. I mean, we did outside <laughs> things, of course, but mostly I think I was kind of an inside. Sure. All right, Emily, how about you? What was your favorite way to spend time when you were a child? A swing in the backyard. We had a huge tree out back and my dad put a huge rope swing up and we spent hours on that swing, my brother and I. That and playing in the creek, we had a creek out back and we would explore the creek and pull treasures out and we would hide them in the hole of a tree and tuck them in. And we said it was our time capsule, but in our childhood that we played on the swing and in the creek. I want to say ding, ding, ding. That is the correct answer on this show. (laughs) Swinging on the swing. (laughs) That's when Jen, you said something about swinging too, right? I'm sure we all loved it. That's great. The question is, can you still handle it as you're aging? I get a little bit of motion sickness now if I go for too long. Jen, we've talked about you homeschool your children, and so it looks different in your home, but we're always releasing our children in a wise way. So what does that look like in your home, and what are some guidelines that you've set up? Sure. we. I would think the first thing that we think about whenever we're talking with our kids is making sure that they, first and foremost, have a solid biblical understanding of how the world works, even memorizing scripture, things into their hearts so that when we do send them out and they're in the world, that they have the firm foundation of Christ's words and scriptures in their heart and in their minds so that they can protect them and guard them and give them wisdom to speak into different relationships and and conversations that they have. Just trying to make sure that we're not guarding them from every conversation of anybody who might not think the same way as us, you know, not definitely not that. But when they do encounter somebody that might be speaking falsely or against what scripture would say, that they would realize that that's error and that that is Mm -hmm. not what God's word says. And so they're equipped by having the scriptures and, and definitely, you know, we've done a wanna for years, we've done scripture memory, Anything that we can to, whenever we're reading the Bible, just trying to apply it to the everyday of life of how they might encounter this in culture or in friendships or, you know, even at the grocery store, because people at the grocery store even can stop and talk and give their opinion on things. (laughs) Absolutely. Yep. Especially around Christmas time, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The whole, what is Santa (laughs) going to bring you today? That type of thing. Yep. Have to be prepared for all those things. Well, how about the music in the stores? I was in a store the other day, and I couldn't believe the words of it. I thought, do they really know what they're projecting out into their store? The Hmm. meanings are terrible. Mm -hmm. And of course, people are bringing their children into these stores, and they're listening to these words, and they're probably singing these words, and they don't even know Mm -hmm. what they're saying. It's pretty pretty eye-opening if you listen to some of the songs it is and there are there are those soundtracks or cds that they'll take pop hits and then have kids sing them but they'll edit out inappropriate words but they Mm. don't edit inappropriate concepts Mm, and it's really shocking to Mm. me sometimes Mm -hmm. the things that they're having children sing 
And now all of a sudden it's supposed to be okay because they took out the Lord's name in vain. Mm. It's like, it's, it's not mm-hmm. a song children should be singing. And, and I think that's, it's so deceptive, isn't it? Yes, very mm-hmm. much. Yes. I think Jen's point is a good one that we want to be proactive. We want to uh, set a firm foundation before we have to be reactive, before kids mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. thought about something, gotten involved in something, seen something, and then we're having a reactive situation. There will be those. Don't mistake that there will be those situations. Just prepare yourself as a mother to know that there will be some situations that you wouldn't wish for your kids to have to deal with, but they will. Mm-hmm. And But the more that you have set that foundation of this is how we think, this is our worldview as believers in the Lord, they will set them on a course mm-hmm. that guards against that. I think, you know, Jen, I heard her say once, saying yes is also saying no to something else, yeah. to the opposite thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in Entrusted, we yes. talk about the tug of two realms. What what are yeah. you involved in? Is it pulling you more towards the Lord or is it pulling you more away from the Lord? Yeah. What about mm-hmm. your friends that you're yes. with and the thing that you watched and the thing that you heard? Does that think, make you think more about the Lord or does it pull you away? Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important thing for kids to think about because if we are watching their progressive sanctification and they're moving more in the way of the Lord as they get older, it really, they're not even interested in going that mm. other direction. There's the tug of yes. two realms that we really have to help our children with. Totally. Yes. Always that tug. We, it seems at the beginning of every school year, evaluate kind of what talks we need to have going into whatever grade it is we're going into. Good idea. And so, you know, our son is going to be a junior this year. And so we were just talking the other night about what talks we need to have before school. They know where we stand with all of the things that we've laid out for years, but you always are adjusting and tweaking these little things situationally that come up as they progress in age. And so we always kind of evaluate where they're at each year and sit down and have a conversation about the things that may arise, boyfriends, girlfriends, parties, even getting to know the parents of our children's friends. We've always tried to invest in those relationships so we know the homes that they'll be going into. And and so we always evaluate where, where we're at and have continuing conversations as we enter into the school year. And we always, even though our kids are older, and this may seem silly, we establish the routine, get, uh, you know, a couple weeks before school, reestablish bedtimes and all of those kinds of things because, you know, we're in summer mode. And so we reevaluate all of those things as well. It's just a nice time to really gain perspective of the season you're entering into, what you need to do to kind of nest and, and make sure it's successful. And so it's kind of a refreshing time of reevaluation for families. That's an excellent idea. Yeah. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. I love that. That is like so wise and so practical and so easy to do. But when maybe you start the year without realizing like, oh, you're another year older, there's going to be new things that you're exposed to. Not only that, but 
you know, you're trying to be proactive, but then you find out that kids are learning these things younger and younger and younger. Yes. And the danger is that kids' minds aren't necessarily ready to receive the information. That's great. I'm actually reading this book called Your Teenager is Not Crazy. (laughs) It's a really good book from a Christian worldview. But one of the things that they said was that teenagers learn best by given going through real life scenarios and real life examples. And so instead of saying, don't do this, you kind of can tell a story to your teen and be like, you know, this and this and this happened, or this and this and this could happen. Because imagine what this would look like if this and this and this. And so you can kind of paint the picture for them through a story, which is exactly what God did. He's constantly talking Mm -hmm. in stories when Jesus was on this earth, you know? So yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. So I thought that was kind of cool. And so applicable to the back to school with being like, okay, you're in a new grade, a new Mm -hmm. year for you, new friends, new teachers, all of those things. And what are some, ex- you know, experiences or what are some situations that you could be in and how do you think you'll handle it? When, what if this were to happen? I know you said earlier the tug of two realms, but scripture also says all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. So saying this yes. might be something that yeah. feels neutral, but is it really an evaluating the pull that it has on us? Jen, you said earlier that focus on Christ, that we're not just talking about sheltering or avoiding, you know, experiences with temptation or evil. We're talking about filling up with the Lord. And I think Psalm 119 is just the most beautiful chapter to meditate upon. And the entire chapter Mm -hmm. is so beautiful because of the reliance upon God's word. You know, this is the way to stay pure. And so I'm just going to read some of those verses from the beginning of the chapter. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up gibber word in your heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And so if our kids are continually reading words like that, the truths of scripture, that it's God's precepts and meditating on them that keeps us from temptation, that's how we can have an upright heart. And even the prayers in that, I love to ask God, fill me with a desire for your word. Help me to honor and glorify you. Later in the chapter, it says, Mm -hmm. I will run in the path of your commandment when you enlarge my heart. And so teaching them to pray the words of scripture to help them stay faithful when they do enter a challenging situation. 
I love the verse that said, that talked about how can a young man keep his way? I think it was. And it said, by guarding his heart, I, I found myself recently in a certain situation and I thought, oh Lord, I just want to bubble for my kids. I don't want to mm. guard their heart. I just want to like bubble wrap them. <laughs> and so I love that verse about guarding your children's heart. We can't, there is no way we can bubble wrap them from this world, but we can equip them with the word of God that will guard their heart and and ultimately give discernment and wisdom if they if they choose to dwell in the word. So that was an encouraging word even to me where I'm at right now. Well, I like what Steffi said okay. when she said run. So you run from the temptation always. If our kids know that we run that is going to pull them in the way of righteousness. At first, we they might just be taking little baby steps, but they're going in the right direction. And then as we see their faithfulness to that, living in obedience, they learn how to walk in righteousness with the Lord. And I think that really guards a child's heart. It really, really does. Of course, you know, we're talking about all ages here. We could even talk about uh, ourselves mm -hmm. and our husbands and our purity before the Lord. And are we accountable uh, in the things that we're doing? Some I used to always say, if, if our kids can't watch this movie, uh, that our teenagers, our 15-year-old, then we're not going to watch it. It's mm -hmm. just not, it's really not going to be edifying to us. Mm, right. And that's true. There's so much so many things out there that really aren't edifying. I think my kids would have heard me say that a, a thousand times. Okay, it's popular, but is it edifying? Does it build mm -hmm. you up in the Lord? That right, and modeling those, house. having those conversations of, this is what I avoid because I know my heart is sensitive, and explaining to them that I do the same thing for my faith, and it's not, it's not an insult to their faith that we're putting guardrails up, saying this is just what wisdom does. As a believer, you avoid certain things so that you can draw closer to the Lord. I have three very justice-oriented little boys in my home, and it's been really interesting to teach them strong convictions and then also to teach them to be gracious with others. And, and not that they would claim that they're following every standard perfectly, but it's just really interesting sometimes how dogmatic they can be. I've had to learn the kind of that balance. Well, yes, this is a standard in our home, but other families might choose to use words that we don't use and we don't need to hold them to that standard. There might be a loving way you can correct them. If people haven't brought their lives under submission to Christ, we would not expect their lives to look like ours and and so we've just had some interesting situations as I'm trying to teach my children, what does it look like to share your faith or, or to share your convictions? How do we do that in a gracious and loving way? And in almost to the point sometimes where I'm like, all right, now I just want you to love them with actions. <laughs> your words have been very strong. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that you have strong convictions. And even in that, I'm excited the, my little boys are going to lead families hopefully someday, right? And so when they have strong convictions to embrace that, but to also teach them gentleness in it. But just in case there are any mamas out there who have Peters in their home and you feel like, oh man, that came across a little differently to others than I intended. 
I can <laughs> certainly relate. Right. One of the things that we've spoken to our kids is actually in Psalm 119, I think it's verse 37 that says, we turn our eyes from evil things. Out in public, if they're, you know, at school, at a co-op or anywhere where we are with other friends and our, our family values, our family rules still apply. If we didn't allow you to have, then you shouldn't be looking at a friend's phone while at, out in public. And if there is something that we are even driving to Michigan, we will often see billboards or out on you know road trips, we'll see billboards and <laughs> I will be like, oh, guys, look, and I'll point to the opposite direction of like something else to look at, you know, just trying to turn their eyes from these evil things. I said to David once, there's this one particular state we are never driving through again with kids because it was so inappropriate. And I don't know how they thought that was okay. Daniel Huerta, he works for Focus on the Family. And I just had the blessing of hearing him speak at a homeschooling conference. And he said he needed to walk through a mall with his young son. And he knew we've got to walk past that store and it's coming up. And so he said, honey, I want you to look. Do you see the light at the end of that hallway? I want you to fix your eyes on that light and we're going to keep walking toward the light, okay? And so they got past the store and he saw his son turn and look. So when they got a little bit farther, he stopped and he said, you know, he looked at his son and he could tell his son looked a little ashamed. And he said, you know, did you, were you able to keep your eyes fixed on the light? And he's like, no, daddy, I looked. He's like, okay, so how did you feel when you looked? And he talked through the experience with him. And I thought, he just spoke of it so beautifully of, he didn't shame him. You know, he recognized that, of course, the temptation is there. And he used it as a teaching moment, like a silver platter moment, like Mm -hmm. you talk about in Entrusted. But I think making sure that we're available to talk through the experiences that our children are having, wherever it may be. It could be after a church sleepover. It could be after they went to your best friend's house that you trust implicitly. Just making time to process through the different experiences they're having so that if things are coming up, you're using it as a teachable moment and that you're not taken aback years later at something that flew under the radar Maybe counseling is needed. Maybe you need to go deeper with it. Yeah. And to that end, I would like to say that if any mother, as somebody asks them if their child can come to this or come to that, and they feel the pressure, and maybe their child doesn't even want to go especially, but they're feeling the pressure because maybe the aunt or the uncle or the cousin wants them to come. It's a camp out or whatever it is. And you don't feel right about it. Don't make your child go, Mm -hmm. especially if your child doesn't want to go. Your child has a sense about it. He doesn't want or she doesn't want to be put in a particular situation. And if the mom has that sense and the child doesn't even, but the mom does, then don't do it. I can tell you so many heartbreaking instances where somebody will tell me after the fact, I had a bad feeling about it, but I let them go and their children are struggling with uh, something that happened on that uh, trip or that overnight or whatever it was. Mm. You just have to really be careful, really watch who your children are with when they're, when they're not with you. We don't want to keep them so, so isolated. But 
we also want to be really careful. If we have a feeling, don't have them go. And you can just say, well, my mom said I can't go. That is such a good word. That's such a good word. I think we've had recent conversations that what we call, you know, those gut feelings Mm -hmm. with with our kids, with my youngest especially. I think it's often the Holy Spirit's Mm -hmm. prompting. Because he's mm. he's telling us, we ask him for discernment, we ask him for wisdom, and he tells us in those moments, and we still doubt. Oh, is that am I am oh, am I am I just overthinking it? But I do think it's the Holy Spirit prompting in those kinds of situations, and I think it's so important to listen to that. Agreed. There's a quote from a book that I read called The Duties of Parents by J.C. Ryle, and it says, Do not fear withholding anything from your child that you think will do him harm, whatever his own wishes may be. Mm -hmm. So even if, you know, we all are fighting our children, I'm sure at some point about cell phones and what age they get to get one and what age they don't. But if we feel in our hearts that the Holy Spirit is saying this is not going to benefit them, this is going to harm them more at this age, Don't fear withholding that because culture doesn't withhold it, (laughs) but allow the Lord to be the guide home and not culture. Well said. Jen, can you even read that once more? Do not fear withholding anything from your child that you think will do him harm, whatever his own wishes may be. Perfect. That sums Mm. up a lot for us. Yeah. We don't have to worry. I mean, we do <laughs> have to worry about things, but we can certainly trust the Lord in many things. But it's not just purity that we're talking about. There are other areas of life that are important to uh, guard a child's heart in. And I think some of those are just a Christian worldview. A worldview in a child is formed pretty much by age nine and pretty much solidified by age 13, according to George Barna. And so we really want to be helping develop a strong biblical Christian worldview with young children. It's that foundation that Jen was talking about. We're going to help them memorize scripture. We're going to help them learn biblical truth. We're going to be there to guide them. And then another one is just their view of money and possessions. Mm-hmm. Do they own them or they are really all belong to God? Mm-hmm. This is something that we have to teach our children to guard their hearts and minds about. Mm-hmm. It's very important. Another one might be just how easily do you follow the crowd? How easily are you seduced? How easily are you um, just pulled in to be the follower? Or can you stand up? Can you stand by conviction? Can you remain alert? Can you stand up for the the person that's being bullied? It has to do guarding their hearts just with their convictions. Can they be people of convictions? Can they stand up for the things of the Lord? Another one we, we talked about already, morality and purity. And that's a big one. Two other ones are discretion or overexposure to technology and electronics. I think we could probably spend a good amount of time on this. It's not just seeing the wrong things. Sometimes it's just seeing too much of something. And the last one, the fear of God versus the fascination with the mysticism, which is a huge trendy thing right now in books and movies, mysticism. So anybody want to address any of these six areas that we address in and try? 
I would say attach being a follower and having discernment there with also seeking out good friendships and not just following the crowd, but seeking friendships that are that are strong and and edifying. All children are different. Some children are leader leaders, some children are followers, and parents know parents know which they have. And so that discussion might be a little more important to take it a little further for some than it is for others. And so especially our young men, which I'm so burdened for lately, but especially our young men talking to them about being strong leaders and of course with 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 wisdom, but not always just being a follower, but leading and leading well in in a strong and God-centered masculine way. That's great. I also think of influence, like how many good influence mm-hmm. we get in our kids' lives. Mm-hmm. You know, they mm-hmm. they talk about that you're the average of what the six people that you are around the most. And, and if you average that out, that's mm-hmm. about who you will be. And so if that's the case, <laughs> uh, I want to increase the amount of good influences in their life. And that reminds me in 1 Corinthians 3, um, verse 6, it talks about, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. And so, yes, the Lord is the one that's working in all of their lives, but he also allows other people to have an input, to be able to water, to be able to plant, to be able to plant those seeds and those thoughts into their minds and hearts. And so just making sure that us as parents are planting those wonderful seeds in their hearts and being good influences ourselves. Another J.C. Ryle quote, I just love some of his books, but it says, to give children good instruction and a bad example is but beckoning them with the head to show them the way to heaven while we take them by the hand and lead them in the way to hell. No one of us can live himself in this world. We are always influencing those around us, either for God or for sin. Fathers and mothers, do not forget that children learn more by the eye than they do by the ear. And just knowing everything that we're doing Mm -hmm. is influencing our children. When you spend time with them, that's part of why we wanted to homeschool. We'd have more time to Mm -hmm. influence them. And so when we're spending time with them and are we influencing them for things of the world and or are we influencing them for things of the Lord and the ways of the Lord and the ways that he would have for them in his kingdom someday? My husband, when he played football, his coach used to say, you, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You never stay the same. Any particular day, you are never staying the same as the day before. You're either going, getting a little bit better or you're falling behind a little bit. And I can relate that to our spiritual lives and especially as we're talking about this tug of two realms because we don't just sit on one spot. We are either pulling, being subtly pulled one direction and not even realizing it. So I think it is an important concept to discuss with kids and uh, what they're listening to. And I, I agree with Emily. A huge influence is their friends. If they've got great friends, wow, that is awesome because that will help them stay away from so much and really be able to get into fun activities together where they don't feel the pressure to do everything that other kids are doing, but just almost enjoy childhood a little bit longer. You know, everything is being thrown at them so young. Going back to the idea of negative influences or things that we wouldn't want our children to 
be exposed to or to be around. In Ezekiel 33, 5 and 6, it talks about, He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. And I just think of us as parents, we're those watchmen. Our job and our duty is to make sure that we are doing everything we can to tell our kids like, look, this is evil, not this, that. Choose this, not that. Or be aware Satan is out there. He's lurking or the seductive woman is just around the corner. Be careful and constantly being that watchman and allowing them to know that like, it's not an easy walk through life without any conflict or without any temptation and to be watchful, to be mindful and to take every thought captive and to take every relationship. Is this a relationship that I can be pouring into? Actually, as I was reading in my devotions this morning, it was talking about, I think it was in 1 Corinthians 15. It said, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, talks about Mm -hmm. bad company corrupts good character. And then it goes on to say, some of them have no knowledge of God, and Mm -hmm. that is to your shame. So when we're talking with our kids, like, yes, the people that don't have knowledge of the Lord you can take that depending on the age of the child, obviously, and whether that's appropriate, but you can take that situation where they have no knowledge of the Lord and you can tell them about the Lord. You can use that as a way to introduce Jesus to them and and to not have that be to our shame for not having them know something about the Lord. And all of these situations, you have a choice to make when you're in a hard situation. Are you going to encourage that brother or encourage that stranger and to walk towards the Lord? Or are you just going to kind of bow out and shyly walk away and ignore it? How are you going to handle that? And what way can you do that it would be the most glorifying to the Lord? I love that scripture. It makes me think of one of the most common things my dad told us growing up. He was a Marine. And he'd say, if there were two soldiers that got into a fight, who gets in the, the most amount of trouble? Is it the soldier who threw the punch first or who retaliated? Retaliator. And we'd be like, well, probably the one first. But he'd say, no, it was the one who was watching Mm -hmm. and didn't step in and stop it. And he always told us, you don't stand by and watch. And just as Emily was talking about, we have leaders or followers. We're going to have probably one child or two children that would just be the one who's going to stay on the sideline. Maybe they're not being as tempted, but are they guiding others? Are they being a positive influence? Yes. And you'll never regret having all of these talks with your children. I love, I can't remember what chapter it is, but in in Trusted, Betsy, you broke it down so beautifully into the ages, that progression of maturity and what they, and what it looks like as far as discipleship goes in those different seasons. And Mm -hmm. really, you know, we just have this precious amount of time to pour and pour and pour into them. And it changes with each season. It looks a little different, but but the Lord entrusted us with them to pour into them. And, and we should be taking every advantage and not be discouraged by the am- number of talks that we need to have, but be encouraged because they're placed in our care with purpose and reason. And, and these talks will, um, they're never in vain. So, so that's an encouraging 
word as you look through the different seasons and what it may look like? We're going to have these daily constant sources of material to talk about, right? And so keeping that close relationship with your kids, making sure that you really have their heart. It's not about demanding a certain behavior. It's about really pointing their heart towards the Lord and that they know that you're for them, that Mm -hmm. you are trying to set them up for success in this world and that you want them to run in the path of the Lord's commandments and and that that brings you such delight. So rejoicing with them in the successes and being gracious with them when they do struggle so that they're not afraid to tell you when they struggle. So I think keeping that open communication is so key and entrusted and one of the key principles. And obviously that's so the heart of the Lord, right? He wants us to run to him and be quick to repent, not to run and hide. And so we can model his gracious, forgiving heart to our children when they fall short and and share with them, you know, maybe a time that we also fell short. Just a couple of principles to remember, sort of as overarching thoughts when we're working and thinking about guiding. We can't guard our children's hearts from every evil thing. We can't isolate and protect them from seeing, hearing, even sometimes doing, getting caught up in certain things. Mm -hmm. But what we have to remember is that our hearts are inclined. We're not just talking about controlling outward behavior in our children. We're talking about winning their hearts for the Lord, that they themselves would want to live for the Lord by their own convictions and not mom and dad's. There comes a time in life when Mm. they own their own faith, when they're not taking mom and dad's faith for granted. But when we think, well, we can just isolate our kids and nothing's going to happen because I'm going to really, really protect them from the world, that isolation (laughs) is is really not the answer. Because you can be isolated as most major criminals you hear their background story and they isolated (laughs) themselves. It's because we have evil intents in our own hearts, don't we? So I think it was really well said today that we take what happens, like looking at the store instead of the light. We say, yes, this happened here, but now what can I do? I can confess it and I have a way back. The gospel is so gracious to say, when you slip, when you fall, this is how you have a remedy that God will, you can be restored to the Lord and that thing can be gone forever. So I think that's a really important thing to teach our kids. When they do fall, there's a way back. Mm. And also we have to remember that we can't protect them from everything or isolate them. I think our weapons are, are Ephesians 6, the armor of God. And we talked about those things already as a sure foundation of scripture, the word, good friends, good parents, the Holy Spirit to guide us, our uh, instincts even. The word of God and prayer are really direct hits against the enemy. Another one is we need to be out in the world sharing our faith, but we don't need to be overcome by it, overwhelmed by it, overtaken by it so that it unduly influences us towards evil so that it pulls us that opposite way that we want to be going. 
but that we bring God's perspective to people. I know my daughter used to say when she was in college, she would hear somebody talk about something and she'd say, you really need to hear God's perspective about this. And really what she's saying is, (laughs) I can counter that thinking with something biblical, and I would really love to share it with you. And another one is, we aren't slaves to our instincts. In the Lord, we do not have to follow the instincts. We are free, and that freedom Mm -hmm. is great. And so often we can get so bogged down thinking, oh, the world is horrible. We are free in the Lord, and it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And, and, but it can be a challenging thing to prepare children to live in that world and not be swallowed up by it. But I believe mm-hmm. that the Lord is with us in it. It's, it's what, what Jen said. We have a dual partnership in this. We're watchmen, but the Lord is with us in this. And it goes along with our very first verse, Psalm 127, from Entrusted with a Child's Heart. Yes, it definitely does. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. So I just wanted to say that for anyone who hasn't taken the class. It is so encouraging to know that we are doing this with the Lord and that he is the watchman. And we just would like to say that these are some overarching principles or things that the Lord has put on our hearts through the years. But this is not a comprehensive episode. We will definitely be coming back to specific strategies to tackle these increasingly complicated issues in our society. If you've been blessed by this podcast, would you consider writing a review and leaving your comments? We would love to spread the word to more moms that are looking for biblical wisdom. And the more reviews that we have, the more this podcast will get recommended. So we really appreciate your help in that. Also, if you have questions that you would like answered, you can reach out to us at one two four zero two zero again. That's one two four zero two zero two four two four six. Or you can head to entrustedministries.com and fill out a contact form. Either way, we would love to hear from you. We know you're busy, Mama, so we are truly grateful you joined us for this episode of Again. If you're looking for more information about building your home on the foundation of Jesus Christ, head to www.entrustedministries.com to learn more about our study for moms, Entrusted with a Child's Heart. This scripture-saturated study has blessed families around the world, and we want it for you too. Before you go, I want to pray this benediction over you. From 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 through 12 We're rooting for you. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Until we meet again.